Thank you for downloading from Father's House City Ministries, Portland, Oregon. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Father's House City Ministries at www.fathershouseportland.org. There was no color line. There was no, there was no division. There was no class. There were one in Christ Jesus. And it's time for a people to rise up and says, we are that. We are that. Today, we're going to kick off a brand new series. And uh, yeah, kick off. Yeah, it's, it's the right day to do that. We're going to kick off a brand new series called Overcoming All the Power of the Enemy. And... Listen, the Bible calls Satan the God of this world, but he's not our God. He doesn't have to rule over our families. He doesn't have to rule over the, our workplaces. He doesn't have to rule over our city if there's a people who stand up and say, our God reigns, who brings the opposite spirit into the places that he's, he's ruled over. And so are you ready? Because we're going to jump in here today. This is going to be fun. We're, we told you we're going to train you how to... We got War. You're right. Wow. The Lord says, the Bible says, the Lord teaches my hands to war. And he leads us into triumph. Wow. So, Father, I thank you right now that you open the eyes of our heart, Lord God. That we would see the great power that works in us according to your grace. The power, same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And I pray that the spirit of revelation and truth will be in this house today, Lord, to demonstrate, Father, to us the greatness of our calling that we have in Christ Jesus. In your name, amen. Listen, we are now at the start of the, of the awakening, the revival. It's emerging. It's happening. It's, it's happening all over our city. Uh, there's just, God is just doing so much. Is there a slide that shows something funny? Like, like somebody laying on the ground? Okay, so check that out. You know where that sidewalk is? That's the riot sidewalk from across the street from the, 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 uh, the, um, the Justice Center. Holy Spirit broke out this week. We sent a team down there to worship and pray, and Holy Spirit broke out. Here's somebody who just like came underneath the power of the Holy Spirit right on the streets, and God touches them and moves because revival's breaking out. And while that's all going on, David is there, and he's, he, what happened to your back? Oh, that was actually yesterday. But. Okay, okay, well, what, what happened yesterday? <laughs> oh, so yesterday I went to the Reach, and we were just worshiping before we were going to go out and evangelize, and... Uh, yeah, God showed up and healed another disc in my back, which would be two that have happened with Compassion to Action. And uh, we were just worshiping. Nobody laid hands on me. And you're not wearing glasses. Uh, well, I do still need them, but I had um, like really bad issues with like it, my eyes just hurting a lot. And so I th- my family has like a history of glaucoma. And I think that I um, had healing from that. And then also my sinuses got healed, even though we didn't really pray for that. <laughs> And so my, I'm always like pumping out like <laughs> stuff that I couldn't deal with before. And so I don't even get sinus pressure. Come on, come on. It's happening all the time. It's happening everywhere. But it wasn't always so. But we are now heading into that Isaiah 61 time. Isaiah 61 time where we are preaching good news. Come on, we're preaching good news and captives are being set free and the oppressed are being released and their, their, their spirit of heaviness is being overturned and those who are grieving are now dancing for joy. Come on, come on, this is what God is doing right now. And those who are grieving come to joy and they're finding, they're finding from their ashes the beauty that's in Jesus because what God is doing is he's... he's, he's Loosening the, 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 the year of the Lord's favor, but also the day of God's vengeance. And what does that mean? That means that we're going to avenge the spirit of heaviness by releasing joy. Come on, that's what, that's what taking vengeance in this hour is all about. It's to avenge the captives by opening the prison doors to see them go free. Come on, the last time I spoke, I said the Lord has given us an invitation to, as the saints of God, execute joyful vengeance. Psalms 149, we walked over that two weeks ago. Psalms 149, with the, with the high praises of God in our mouth. Before that, there's joyful singing, then there's dancing, because we execute the high praises of God and the two-edged sword in our hand, which is what? The word of God? 
Ephesians, what does the Hebrew text say? The word of God is sharper, like a two-edged sword. And it says that we execute vengeance. On whom? Let's talk about that today. And we said that when we execute vengeance on the powers of the enemy, those who have made covenants with death, they, stuff happens, you know? Stuff happens, but we're not after people. We're after what takes people captive. And so today we're going to talk about who is it that we are supposed to wage war against. Luke chapter 10 tells us the who. Ephesians chapter 6 explains who the who is. Okay, so here we go. Luke chapter 10. Jesus had sent out the 12 disciples, but now he, the 12 apostles, but now he sends out the 72 disciples that he had with him who were, tra- who were being trained and equipped to do the work of, of the ministry. And he sends them out two by two. Okay, because the ecclesia is always a company of people. It's not just you. Okay, so it sends them out two by two. It gives them very strict instructions of what they're to do. Look for the men of peace. Release peace. If peace stays, stay there minister to them and release the kingdom of God, heal the sick, raise the dead, do all these things. They go do it exactly like he says. They come back and look at what it says in Luke 10, 17 and 19. The 72 return and with joy they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. What? That's so cool. (laughs) Don't you want to see that? I saw Satan fall like lightning. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and even all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Listen, your authority is over the power of the enemy and you have that authority as when you go into the territory of Satan, when Jesus sends you, as he sends you, with the instructions that he sends you, something rests upon you and in that obedience, as you enter the mission of Jesus, Satan falls. He loses his place of authority because your authority comes from what? His word. His word. Not just knowing the word, not just declaring the word, but but submitting our lives to that word. And you know what the greatest submission is? That I do the word. I mean, we have a lot of people quoting you all kinds of scriptures, but life doesn't match the scriptures. Their life is kind of like over here and their talk is over there. But there's the people who submit themselves to the word of God. So the word of God actually becomes living and active in them. And it produces the fruits of repentance. It produces the fruit of the kingdom. And your authority also comes from your relationship with him. It really does. That you, that he, that you are one with him. And in that oneness, you find the glory of the Lord being revealed in your life, through your life, and then throughout for your life. Paul said this, all my accomplishments, they're garbage. They're garbage compared to knowing him. And boy, he had a list of accomplishments. He had a doctorate in theology. And he had a list of all these accomplishments. And he says, all of that, that's garbage compared that I may know him. Tell you guys something. When you know him, Heaven knows you. The angels know you. There's all, oh, that guy, that guy, he's the guy that the father's always talking about. He's that guy that the father just gets delight because he's woken up and he's beating with him on the day. I know you. I know you. And there's a point too where hell knows you. There's a great story in, 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 in the book of Acts, chapter, I think, 19 or 20, where Paul, he is in Ephesus, and they're having city transformation. They're turning the city upside down. I mean, one of the things that's really got their attention is not so much that people are being healed because the old magicians would kind of do that and trick, trick, do, throw some tricks out there, but they had authority over the powers of darkness and cast out demons, and people were going like, that is incredible, and so the seven sons of Sceva, who was a Jewish high priest, they decided to like, hey, there's a demonized person. They said, in the name of Jesus who Paul's, Paul, Paul cast out, I, we cast you out, and the demons said, we know Jesus, we know Paul, who are you? And they beat them to a pulp. You don't want to be messing with the forces of darkness unless you're known. Known. There's a knowing that the Lord has for you. That in this day and in this hour, you're saying, God, I want to, that I may know you. Because when I know you, I carry you. And they recognize that. So, You're not only known in the realms of darkness, okay, but you're also known as being part of a company that has been given authority over darkness. 
given authority over darkness. I'm talking about the ecclesia. You have authority over darkness as part of the ecclesia who lives on mission to see the kingdom of heaven come to earth, to bind and loose. And so today, I said, so that's, you have been given authority over all the power of the enemy. So let's talk about who those powers are. That's given us to us in Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to go there. And now remember that the book of Ephesians is not a book for your personal edification. It is not a book of your personal destiny. It's the book of our corporate destiny. It's a book about who we are as a people of God. It's the book to the ecclesia. That it's an apostolic blueprint that's, that, that talks about what our ultimate purpose is, which is to unite all things in Christ, all things in heavens and things on the earth. And in order to unite those things, you've got to release things out of the prisons that they're in because they're not united to him because they're held prisoners by darkness. And, he go, and, and, he, and so he prepares you that you've been seated with Christ. You've been raised with him. You become the fullness of him. And, and, and we become one man in Jesus. And, and you explore the love of God. And you go through all these chapters. They're all the subplot. Because it finally says, finally, baby, it all comes down to this. Chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand against the evil schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers. Cosmic powers. And over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of, the evil, of evil in the heavenly places. And last time I talked to you about what these things are. So who? This is the who of the power. Let's put up that slide. There are four things listed here. First of all is rulers, and that word is actually archetype. Arco, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Authorities, government, which are the governmental things. That's more like what we call principalities. And the reason some translations call principalities is because in the old days, prince is the principle of the thing. It's the first of the thing. It's not the prince that's ruling. That's authorities. Then, uh, then actually, actually that's, that's actually powers. And then there's spiritual forces of it, which are strong men, demons, things that we cast out of people in place. But these other things, things are cast out of systems and structures and cities and neighborhoods and family lines. Now here, there's a ton. There's a lot of bad teaching about spiritual warfare in the church. There really is, because and it boils down to kind of like two extremes. First of all, there's there's the extreme where you think that you've got delegated authority. So come on, <clears throat> find me some demons to kill. Let's find me some demons to cast out. Let's just find some territorial things to set free. And we come with this, this spirit of, of looking for all the things that are wrong everywhere. And it's like, whoa, there's a spirit of this here. And that binds of it. And everything you see is what the enemy's doing. And so it becomes this extreme where you're fixed on the enemy rather than the king of glory who, you call, who you're called to have authority in over that enemy. And listen, it's easy to do to go there when you first got to get our trained in this, this thing. Because if, he's like, you wake up and you're like, what? This stuff is like real? So let me just tell you a little story. My dad, I grew up hearing my dad cast out demons of, of people out in the next room. It's like, you know, I mean, you know, so I, I knew that all that stuff was real. But I didn't understand how real the other guys higher up that line were. And right before I started the church, a, a man who grew up in Africa, a powerful man of God, comes to me. He gives me a book. He goes, here's this book. You're going to need this book. But don't you read the book until the Holy Spirit tells you to read the book. And I'm like, what? And I look at the cover of the book. I'm like, ooh. You know, I was like, that looks heavy. I take a peek in it. And I'm like, no, I don't want to read the book. Because it was just weird. It's about all these princes of hell and crazy things that happen in cities and and I'm like, ah, and then we start the church, and then we're experiencing things like, whoa, 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 I feel like I'm in a movie. Like, what is this? We're talking about astral projection, things floating, things doing weird things, witches and warlocks showing up every place, calling me and telling me what I just told somebody else on the phone. And I'm like, like what? And I'm like, Lord, time to read the book. And then you read the book, and you're like, Whoosh. there it is. There it is. And then you balance. <laughs> like, okay, there it is. But there you are. There you are, Jesus. The other extreme is, there you are, Jesus, and there's nothing else. The other extreme says, you have no business out going after all that stuff because the battle is the Lord. It's not yours. 
The battles is the Lord's. Absolutely. He dethroned. He disauthorized them on the cross and the resurrection. He is the commander of the Lord's host. That means that he's overseeing the angels that are fighting in the heavenly places. But what did he say to the church in Matthew 16? Hmm? What does it say to the church? So it's time for them to know who he is. So at the place that he wants to have the revelation that he is the son of God. Because remember what the temptation was in the desert. If you're the son of God. Satan's like, is he? Is he the son of God? He looks like that guy, the ancient of days. See, I don't think, I don't think he, might, he really knew. I mean, he kind of knew, but, but did he know? So he's, like, he's trying to get him to reveal himself outside of the timing of the Lord. But he goes there, and where does he take this? That he takes him to a place called the Temple of Pan, which all the temples of Pan, Pan was one, is one of the princes of hell. And he takes them there because all of his temples are called the gates of hell. So, context to what Jesus says. And there's, it's horrible stuff. There's, there's men having sex with goats. There's animal and human sacrifices that happen in those places. The Jews were not allowed. Jesus could have been de-rabbied for going there, I think. You know, I mean, like, it was, it was really controversial to go there. But this is exactly where he picks to go to get the revelation that he is the son of God. Because he says to Peter, who am I? And because the whole of Father comes upon him, he says, you are the Christ, the son of God. And then he says this. Let's put it up, Matthew 16, 18. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And from, so from the sound of that, it sounds like, okay, we're the church of Jesus, and hell will attack us, but it can't, it can't overcome us. That's kind of what it sounds like. Let's put that back up. It's kind of what it sounds like, but if you go into the Aramaic and the, and the Greek, that's not what it's saying. It's saying essentially this. Come on. It's saying this. Jesus will build a church that the authority of hell cannot stop. That's essentially what the pastor is saying. That the authority of hell is not stopped. Why is that not stopped? Because we're marching on its gates. We're going to every place that's having authority and we're removing the authority. Why? Because he has given us all authority over the power of the enemy. So, if you tend to buy the extreme that it's all the Lord's war, then you're allowing Satan to still rule over stuff. Because he's called the church to advance against the gates of hell. He's called the church to set the captives free. They're prisoners of hell. So someday, some say, well, listen, okay, yeah, I, I get that. You're, you're called to cast out demons, but those guys, only, only the angels can take care of those guys. And there's, there's a truth to that, but they don't do it without us. And they'll tell you, you have no authority over them. But again, it seems like to skip the whole Luke 10, 19. I've given you all authority over all the power of the enemy. How much authority have you been given over how many? All. All, all includes those guys over there. The archetypes. The rulers, the princes, the spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So this is our fight because Jesus said it's our fight. Okay, so we're going to dive in. So how do it is that we, we wrestle against these things? And this is going to take a couple of weeks. We're going to go three weeks here. And by the time you're done, you're going to know how to wrestle with each one of these things. Okay? And by the way, wrestle doesn't mean like, like well, I'll, I'll talk about what wrestle is later. You've heard me talk about that. You know, it's just, it's, it's resisting, standing against putting them down every time until they stay down. Okay. Now, there's, there's uh, different types of authorities. So let's talk with, uh, about this first one. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers. Like I said, some old translations, especially the old ones, King James, it says principalities because it's, it's talking about the principle of the matter. It's the, the first thing in the matter. But it's not, that's not speaking about of the prince that rules. The Greek word is arche. Okay, can we put that up? The Greek word is arche, which is derived from the word ar archahome, which means to make a beginning, the first to do. This is where we get the Greek, our, the, our word. It, it, in the English, it's, it's arco. It's just where we get the, the word architect. 
an archetype. If you're building a house, who you start with? If you're building a, a city, who do you start with? Architects. Architects build the blueprints of how to accomplish the building of the house. The building, they drop the plans. So these guys are architects. Now, a couple of things about these, these beings that we have to know is that, first of all, they're created beings. All right? First Colossians 1.16 says this, By him all things were created in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities. Come on. That's, that's those guys right there. All these things were created through him and for him. So when God makes his angelic creation, he creates, it's a, it's a host, all right? They, they, it's, and they all have different jobs and they all have different things because he's a father and he wants to partner with his creation. He says, I don't want to just do everything myself. I want to have sons and daughters. In fact, when it talks about the angels come before the Lord, it says the sons of God come before the Lord. So there are sons of God in the sense of like we're the sons of God. Angels are also the sons of God, but they're part of a different creation. And they were given, these guys were given as part of their inheritance because what do the fathers do? Fathers give inheritance. They say, come on, come into the family business. And he gives them the ability to create, to make patterns, to, to do things that, 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 that will then make what God has decreed into a pattern that can become alive and real on the earth. But we know that one third of this host fell and rebelled against God. And God, in that rebellion, God does not remove their power. He does something even better. He makes us who are lower than the angels have all authority over their power. That's like, it's like, I'm not going to take your power. I'm going to give these guys, these puny little guys with no power, all authority. It's like, mic drop. Like, ah, didn't see that coming. So what do these guys do? Now let's just talk about a little bit here about what do these guys do? Let's just, just go there. They build houses of thoughts. Does that make any sense? They build houses of thoughts. What do we mean by that? Well, okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. And here we have a very familiar scripture. Though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to make them obedient to Christ. Being ready to punish disobedience when your obedience is complete. And there's so much more that we'll have to get into next week about that. But you have to understand something about Hebraic writing. They always give you the big story right up front. So it sounds like there's a bunch of things going on here. Like, there's strongholds and there's opinions. No, no, no. All those things that's named, that's what makes up the strongholds. The arguments, the pretensions, the, the opinions. That's what makes up the strongholds. Those are the walls. Those are the floors. Those are the ceilings of this house of thought. Okay, so verse 3, it tells you we war against a stronghold. Then this word stronghold is essentially this. A structure, and I think we have that slide. A structure, a house, a castle built up through reasoning and arguments in order to form an opinion that fortifies that argument. Spiritual architects do this in cultures. They do this in culture. That's how they, they have power over culture. That's how they have power over media and things like that. Like you're talking about. Those, those, they do, what they do is they, they twist the truth. They use language to build up arguments and pretensions. Okay? Do you want to hear one? Abortion is health care. That's a pretension. That's, that's something that they created. Because they're brilliant in using language. They're brilliant in using language to advance, to advance the, 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 the and, and they're so good at using languages that captures our compassion. Yeah. 
They use language to capture our compassion so they can advance the agenda of hell. So we're okay with death. Because somehow we become compassionate about that. This week I was meeting with some city leaders, very progressive people, really awesome people I really love. And they said, we are killing the homeless with our kindness in our city. We're enabling them. And these are people who vote for every single tax thing to help the homeless. It says, we, maybe we've gone too far. Maybe we've gone to think, why? Because there's language that's been used to grab at our compassion. Come on. And, 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 and here's the important thing about language and naming things. They're so good at naming things. They create things in culture that name things. Okay, what, if you think about Jesus, about creation, the Lord tells Adam, rule over creation. I'm giving you authority over all creation. And then he has them name the animals. Why? Because whatever you name, you have authority over. God in the beginning makes the heavens and the earth and he separates light from darkness and he names darkness night. Why? So now he has authority. He says, this is what you are and you're going to have a limitation. You're going to have borders and limitations to what you are and who you are because God is the supreme architect and rulers are not just architects of houses of thoughts. They're also archetype. And I'm not talking about an archetype like it's what's in a story because that's, that's a different kind of thing. I'm talking about archetype is it one that creates a prototype for something to be loosed and become the norm. Yes. Come on, because that's the way it always happens. It always happens always happens small. Some people say like, I don't know what we can do with just a small church in a small part of the city. Are you kidding me? It always starts in a small place. Remember Jesus in Bethlehem? <laughs> just saying. Just saying. They're, and, and they're the first form to form statements. To what? To, do, to normalize patterns of behavior. They build arguments in order to convince people and deceive people. And listen, that's in the atmosphere in our culture. That's in the atmosphere in our culture. And you know when you come under that neath atmosphere, when something of the word of God offends you. You read something, you're like, mm, can't be that. Sex, sexual sins, sexual identity. No, can't, can't be that. Me and my girlfriend, we got this thing going on, man. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like before the Lord we're married. We make excuses. That's when you know you're underneath an arco type of thinking that something has exalted itself above the knowledge of God has done exactly what the, the, that, that scripture tells us that strongholds do. Come on. God made male and female. God made male and female. And science says so. In fact, I was at Portland State and there was, there was these there's scientists and they were like, nope, two. Two is all there is. And there were people like, whoa, it can't be. So sorry. You may feel otherwise. Why are you feeling otherwise? Because something has built a house of thoughts. Grab it onto your compassion. Grab it onto your need. That's outside of the knowledge of Christ. That's outside of what God, the pattern that God has designed. And in particularly, it's good at twisting compassions and arguments against the knowledge of God. Listen, I, I, I spoke about this last time. When, when, Portland, when Oregon was about to pass the, suicide, the doctor-assisted suicide, I remember our church went all political on that. Signed all kinds of things, fighting on a political front. And I, I sat there, I don't think this is where we're supposed to fight it. Because when I watch the commercials, I'm thinking that's okay. What am I thinking that for? Why? Because I'm coming under the influence of something that is so bright and smart at how to manipulate thoughts and arguments and pretensions against the design of God. And I said, we, we, we got to fight this with war, with, with spiritual warfare. Oh, well, it's just a political movement. No! There's no such thing. Everything deep visible is created by something invisible, whether good or bad. And the church is fighting the wrong battles half the time. They're powerful at setting fields that, that absolutely rule culture. Because once culture creates a reality, we perceive reality according to that perception. So that, that becomes a fortified stronghold. 
okay, in our local in, in, in culture, and, um, and you've seen for a long time how culture in the last 70 years has fallen. Why? Because the church used to be the archetype. The church used to say, this is what marriage looks like. This is, what, this is what, what honorable sex looks like. The church used to say these things, but we don't say these things anymore because something has stood up and said something different, and we've cowered down. We've stayed in fellowship. We've figured out how do we write petitions to change laws when we're actually fighting something totally different. Archetypes are also in the church. They come against the church because they're trying to stop destiny. They're trying to stop destiny. They, they listen to things that are the move of God and they create structures and ideas how to stop that. So I'm in Azusa now in 2016 and I remember the moment where I could feel the earth becoming pregnant with a third great awakening and reformation. I could feel it. I remember my friend Lou Ingalls. He's like, hey, right now, Austin's the God is putting the seed. And he's you know, doing the Lou Ingalls thing, right? And you could feel the anointing. And he said, just as the organ was the instrument of the first reformation, the drums will be the instrument of this reformation. And there's a hundred guys playing drums at that time. They're like, We're, yeah, because I'm a drummer. Yes, because this, this is about this is about restructure. This is about entering a brand new day. But guess what happens? After 2018, when, when I believe that that's the time that the, it was actually birthed on the earth. That was the seed planted 2018, Portland 2018, when we were in there at that place for 28 minutes going, holy, holy, holy. The Lord said, now today, I birthed it on the earth. I birthed the great awakening. You know what happened right after that? Almost every drummer in almost every church decided they were going to stop playing the drums. I'm not kidding you. We couldn't find a drummer to fill in. All of a sudden, I'm back to playing drums, which I like. I'm not bad. But I, it, it moves me away from this, right? And so, and so everywhere we go, and I, I sit with my, my pastor friends, like, yeah, all our drums. like, why did they quit? Oh, they, they thought they just wanted to do something different. Oh, Ty, what were the, all the excuses? It was, it was crazy. It was, it was why? Because Arco's created arguments and pretensions and things to say, well, we got to stop that. If their instrument doesn't sound, then the sound won't carry it because it's, the sound releases and it carries the movements of God on the earth. We do not understand sound. We do not understand how the earth works. We do not understand so many things. And he's like, like oh, it's just stuff. No, it's not just stuff. It's creation. So we're called as a church of Jesus to use the weapons of our warfare to destroy the strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are our praise, as we talked about last week, the two-edged sword in our hand. Also, the name of Jesus. So the two-edged sword is the word of God. So I'm not going to repeat that. So, but there's also the name of Jesus, which is a weapon. Because he's given us up. He's given us what? The name that is above Every name. Let's put that up. Philippians 2, 9, uh, 9 and 10. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every name. And at that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in, in heaven and the earth and under the earth. So that means that those guys, they still got to bow. They may have rebelled. But Jesus exalted them above. And you see, in that kingdom, it's all about protocol. It's all about rules and authorities and lines. They can't cross the lines that have been built for them. And Jesus has been given a name. And it's interesting, and, and, and you want to read a little bit more about it, dig into that. Look at John 17, where Jesus says, I have kept them in the name you gave me. When we go out and we heal the sick, we don't pray that God would heal the sick. We command healing, but what? In the name of Jesus. That's what gives the authority. That's what loses the healing. We show up and God says, okay, they showed up. I'm already with my power. I'm hearing. There it is. Name. Boom. Go. Angels go. People healed. I'm losing my voice. Because I'm just yelling. <laughs> Other weapons of our warfare. The blood of Jesus. 
I don't have time to about the blood of Jesus and being in this church. You know that we honor the blood of Jesus by it. We have overcome. Come on, come on. You'll hear about it in the proclamation we're doing here in a few minutes. But the word of, of, of another part is the word of our testimony. And that is what who that comes in two parts. That's who I t- testify Jesus is. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the one who was and is and is to come. And I begin to declare the, who Jesus is. That's the testimony of Jesus. The confession of my lips and I testify who Jesus is but then I also testify who's who's been to me because he's been my all in all he's been my healer my provider he's been there in the darkest night he's been my light in the midst of adversity he's been my hope he's been my salvation and you begin to just declare who Jesus is that word of your testimony is powerful and overcomes the devil and if you overcome him you overcome all the other dudes that are underneath him And then there's the other weapon we don't like as much as which is the laying down of our lives. You know? They're overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of testimony, and because they, they did not hold their lives so valuable, they wouldn't lay it down. Come on. And what, is, what does that mean? It means that, Lord, not my will, but yours. Jesus modeled it for us, guys. This is what it means. Not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours. And when you do that, then you said, I don't care if I stand up for righteousness, if I lose my friends. I don't care if I stand up for righteousness, if I, if I lose my freedom. I don't care if I stand up for righteousness, if I lose my life. Because you can't kill a dead man. Because I, <laughs> it is I and I who live, but Christ who now lives in me. Because I've been crucified with him. Come on, therefore I, because he's overcome, I have overcome. And when you do that, you kill Mr. Narcissist that's always saying, I, 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 me, me, me. Which the church in America has really fed really well. I just want to say that there's a people rising down the scene that says, it's okay. I've already died. I've already died. So I defeat archetypes stronghold by confessing his word and his truth. My body is the temple. Here's how you do it personally when you're struggling with lust, when you want to go to your girlfriend's house or your boyfriend's house and you, you want to do the wrong things. Says, My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I will not defile this. So I take this temptation. I put it underneath the blood of Jesus. I curse you right now and I bind you from speaking to me, from talking to me, from drawing to me. You got to get strong. You can't just go like, oh God, I'm being tempted. It's like, what are you going to do about it? I've given you authority. I'll start talking to the article that has created all the arguments why you think it's okay to do that when the word of God says nah every time those thoughts that's when you do that the stronghold goes oh man but it doesn't come down just with one blow come on you got to keep blowing. You got to keep pulling that. And it'll come around you with a, a pretension or an argument or an opinion or something like that. And you, and you just, I bring you down in the name of Jesus. I speak to you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. I will torment you with my praise. I will torment you with the name of Jesus. I curse you by the blood. I mean, you got to speak the word of your mouth. Oh, the confession of the word of your testimony is powerful. It is powerful. The word of the Lord in your mouth is so powerful. Quote scriptures at the devil. Come on, because he's got to abide by it. That's the that's the way that's, a, that's a, he actually used it. That's how much he honors it. It's like, well, the Bible, you know, the Lord says you can do this. Blah, blah, blah. This is how you defeat the arco. That's how you do these things. Now, I just want to, and you keep doing it until what? Until the thoughts are gone. I told you my testimony. I used to be, I used to be tormented by, by negative, repetitive thoughts about who I was all day long until I started doing that. And, and, then the, and I would do that and the thought would lift. And then five minutes later, the come, thought come back, boom, I hit it again. And I did that over and over again until the thoughts were gone. And to this day, I do not remember what those thoughts were. He says, Steve, what were you tormented about? I don't know because the blood erased it. Now, that's how you defeat things personally. But how do you defeat things in the church? Come on, because the, the, there, there's, there's so much of these arcos are coming in to create a culture in the church that submits to the ways of the world. Come on. And they, so if, if, you're, if your view of morality, justice, equity is coming from the world, then you go to get a scripture to back up what they're saying, you've already are in the stronghold. You're already a captive of the stronghold. And this is why I did during the summer when there was all the, 
the racial tension. I, I did my whole message on the reformer. How kingdom justice doesn't look anything like social justice. Because we have been made one man in Christ Jesus. Come on, we have been made one man in Christ Jesus. My melon and your melon doesn't divide us. It's the blood that unites us. Yes, we have cultural differences, but we celebrate the difference. We honor the difference, and we become one in Christ Jesus. And if I ever add anything to what he's already completed and done to make us one man, then I've sinned. If I decide, if you decide that I gotta show it partiality, we gotta we gotta show some partiality to these people, then you've gone th- down the wrong road. Because look what Romans eleven put those those up there, the, the, Timothy. Romans two eleven. For God shows no partiality. Hmm. Galatians three. There's neither Jew nor Greek. These were all the things that divided that culture in that day. Jews and Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female. For you're all. One in Christ. And in James chapter 2, well, you read James chapter 2 about partiality, which partiality is actually just prejudice. Well, now you got to work prejudice in reverse. Partiality is just prejudice. And you know what, you know what he says about this in partiality? James 2, 9. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin. Ephesians says we have been made one man in Christ Jesus. We've been bound by one blood. All under one name. And if we add anything else, it's sin. Now the church has got to get free from the archetypes. Because it's hard to take out something that is in you. That's when Jesus said, today the prince of this world comes after me. There's no part of him in me. And maybe you've been listening to this message and you got a little bit. uh, Check that out. Check that out. There's probably parts of our soul that are agreeing with archetypes. It's really true. It's really true because what made the move of God so powerful in, in, in the 1905, you know, point out of Azusa Street, it was 1906, was that it was a, led by a black man. That was unheard of. And people from every race were standing around one another. There was no color line. There was no, there was no division. There was no class. There were one in Christ Jesus. And it's time for a people to rise up and say, we are that. We are that. We're experiencing the first waves of awakening. I'm going to end with this story. I'm going to have the band come up here in a minute. But we're experiencing the first waves of this awakening that's coming to Portland. And like I said, every week, it's miracles, the signs and wonders as people getting getting saved. We're filling that room up with, with young people coming to worship and pray every Thursday night. There's stuff happening all the time. It's more, it's, it's starting to be more than what we can keep track of because God has done something of a shift over the mindset of our city. Let me tell you a story. It was... The early 2011, 10s, somewhere in there. And, and, a, and a man at a church receives a prophetic dream about this entity that's in our city. And as we sought the Lord and we, we, we looked at the dream, we realized this is why people aren't getting saved. Because the God of this world has blinded the eyes to the gospel. There's something in our city that's blinding people to the gospel. Because we would go on the streets and we had pressed in for miracles and healings. We had pressed in to walk, to walk prophetically and give words of knowledge. And we would accurately tell somebody, this morning you were thinking this and that. And they were like, whoa, how do you know that? He goes, because God loves you. We preach the gospel to them and say, yeah, okay, cool. But no thanks. You get there and you just, they have horrible back problems. And you, they get healed. And you preach Jesus and they get like, I'm good. Because there's something. And the Lord revealed to us what that thing was. And we begin to seek the Lord and pray and ask the Lord, how do, Lord, how do you want to deal with this thing? And in that process, I almost died, by the way. Because it came after me. Because sometimes when it can't get you in your soul, it will go after your body. This is why things like what happened to Doug, this is really, really important as a church. Like, hey man, watch because the enemy will come after bodies. So we, we stood and <laughs> the church stood and it was, it was nuts uh, and what happened. But here's, here's what happened. God gave us the song of war, the song of salvation, and the song of victory. And we did this thing on the Willamette River where the Lord showed us this thing was that was keeping actual revival from entering the city. And let me tell you what happened after that thing was done. We demolished that stronghold the very next week. People start saying, yeah, okay, I want Jesus. The very next week, people started getting saved. The very, why? Because there was a pretension and an argument and a thought that we actually defeated from the atmosphere of our city. This is what we're called to. And we want to train you in it. And by the way, we're going to have the School of City Transformation at the end of March. 
You don't want to miss that. That's like all the crazy stories about this house and the principles that God has taught us. But let me just do this. I, I really believe, I want the band to come up, that this house is called to defeat the ruling archos. By the power and the authority of Jesus through the weapons of our warfare, which are, come on, they're spiritual, they're mighty. They're mighty to pull down strongholds. So I just talked about, I just gave you a glimpse. But one of the greatest weapons that we have is what Deneen talked about last week. Proclamations, decrees, and declarations. That's how the world was made. That's how reality is actually created. The Bible says that the Lord speaks and the angels rush. They're listening attentively to the word to go. They, they go do what his word says. Whether they are archos or princes or lower level angels that work with us. There's not that thing. It's lower. They just have different assignments. Sorry, guys. I love all of you. Y'all good. I want to train us in decrees and proclamations. I want to train this house because you need to learn how to do your own decrees and your proclamations over the places of your family lines that Arcos have ruled. Come on, over your neighborhood where the Arcos are ruling. As you, you do it with somebody, you never do this alone. You always do this under the covering of the Holy Spirit, under spiritual authority, and with others. But when we do, when we do, it is powerful, it is effective to demolish the stronghold. I want you to get on your feet and we're gonna we're gonna just make this proclamation together. You're gonna repeat it after me. I want you to get right now into your into the Holy Spirit. We're gonna ascend it right now into the hill of the Lord. We're gonna send it into that place of who we are in Christ Jesus. That I I am not just in Christ, Christ is in me. Therefore, what I decree according to his word and according to his name becomes reality on the earth above the earth and even under the earth so say this we your people called by your name purchased by the blood of Jesus by the blood of Jesus who proclaim that you alone are God who proclaim that you alone are God you alone are the way the truth the life you alone are the way the truth the life we have pledged allegiance to your word and your ways we pledge allegiance to your word and your ways Therefore, we renounce all thoughts, arguments, and pretensions. Therefore, we renounce all thoughts, arguments, and pretensions. All opinions that goes against the knowledge of you. All opinions that goes against the knowledge of you. All that goes against your ways. All that goes against your ways. Your nature. Your nature. And your word. And your word. Now we invite the king. Now we invite the king. Eternal, immortal, invisible God. Eternal, immortal, and invisible God. Carries honor and glory forever and ever. Carries honor and glory forever and ever. The living one. The living one. The one who was. The one who was. Is. Is. And is to come. And is to come. The one who is, was dead. The one who was dead. But now is alive forevermore. But now is alive forevermore. Who holds the keys of death and hell. Who holds the keys of death and hell. Come and rule over my mind. Come and rule over my mind. Over my thoughts. Over my thoughts. Over my opinions. Over my opinions. Over my ideologies, preferences. Over my ideologies, preferences. Over my compassion and worldview. Over my compassion and worldview. I repent of any partnership with a worldview. I repent of any partnership with a worldview. That is not of your kingdom. That is not of your kingdom. By your blood. By your blood. Cleanse me now. Cleanse me now. Purify my heart and renew my mind. Purify my heart and renew my mind. By your word and by the power of your name. By your word and by the power of your name. We now present our lives as a living sacrifice of worship. Use us to destroy the works of the evil one. That which is now deceiving the world. Give us wisdom, strategies. Give us wisdom and strategies. To defeat all thoughts, arguments, pretensions, and opinions. To defeat all thoughts, arguments, pretensions, and opinions. That make Portland captive to the enemy. That make Portland captive to the enemy. For the glory of your name. For the glory of your name. Allow us to bind these rulers. Allow us to bind these rulers. Until Portland is obedient to you. Until Portland is obedient to you. Empower us to punish them through our complete obedience. Allow us to punish them. Obedience. This we proclaim in the name that is above every name. This we proclaim in the name that is above every name. To whom every knee will bow. To every knee will bow. 
every tongue will confess to the glory of the Father the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, lift up your shout right now. downloading from Father's House City Ministries, Portland, Oregon. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Father's House City Ministries at www.fathershouseportland.org.